Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled True Happiness Part 4. What page? What page? Tonight we're going to start on page 114 in the middle of chapter 26. You know, we're discussing, we've been discussing challenges and hardships. But before we continue talking about perspectives, I thought it's important to remind ourselves, Dr. Yosef brought this up last week, what the job of the other person is. In other words, here we're learning what one that is experiencing the challenge can think. But what is everyone else, what is the responsibility of everyone else? The responsibility is great, and I'm not truly going to address all the issues. I wanted to share one story, nonetheless, that I think really hits home. It was Yom Kippur, Kol Nidre, the beginning of Yom Kippur, and you don't miss Kol Nidre. Everyone is in Shul. Everyone is in Shul. Even a brand new father is in Shul. His wife has just given birth. And he turns to his wife, he says, you know, Mazel Tov, but Kol Nidre, I gotta go to Shul. And he leaves and goes to Shul. And all of a sudden, in the middle of Shul, Rip Schneer Zalman, the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, he gets up and leaves Shul. He takes off his talis, he leaves Shul. And on Yom Kippur, he cuts down wood, which is something you're not allowed to do in general on Shabbos on Yom Kippur. You're not allowed to cut down wood. You can't, we don't make a fire. We don't cook. And he does all of those. He cuts down wood. He makes a fire. He cooks and makes this woman food. And remember, she had a husband, thank God. But sometimes we forget what our true task in life is. Our true task is to be here for one another. There's a quote we have that for 70, 80 years, this is a quote, on a shama wears and tears, a soul could come down into this world for 70, 80 years just to do a favor for another. That means you could be alive for 70 years, 80 years, struggling, or whatever it is, it's a full 70 year life. And the only reason that Hashem has created this person is, to, is that He should help an older woman carrying, crossing the street carry her bags. That could be the only reason you were created. Could be the only re- reason we were created is to make sure that someone that doesn't have food has food. Who knows? Each one of us may be able to think of scenarios where we could be of help and assistance to one another. So this young woman just gave birth. And her husband understood that Yom Kippur comes, you have to be in Shul. And the Alter Rebbe took this as, as an opportunity to teach everyone that no, no, the most important thing is to be there for another, help one each other out. That's, that's, really, our, that's really our task and to remain focused on that. So now let's gather back. Last week we discussed how the greatest expressions of love are within challenges. 
the greatest expressions of love are within challenges. And as David HaMelech put it, King David put it, Ashrei HaGever Shertzerat Yasrenuka. Fortunate is the man whom Hashem brings suffering. Fortunate because Hashem is connecting with him on a level higher than anyone else. With this understanding, we can now understand a passage that the Gemara shares with us. The Gemara Shir is page 114, we're on the top of the right-hand column. You know, let's start on the bottom of the left-hand column, second to last line. Again, page one, chapter 26, page 114, left-hand column, second to last line, therefore. Do we have it? Therefore, Tzvi Shraga, could my friend join with you? Of course. Therefore, the rabbi of blessed memory commented that it is to those who rejoice in their affliction that the verse refers, but they that love him shall be as the, the sun going forth in its might. The Oyhavav Kitseis Hashemesh Bigvurasai. Let's read that Pasuk again. They that love him shall be as the sun going forth in its might. Someone that truly loves Hashem is going to see Hashem's true, true energy shining forth. So who loves Hashem? Who loves Hashem? The Gemara says, for this is, the Gemara says, for this is the joy. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. The Gemara says, who is someone that loves Hashem? Someone that rejoices in their affliction. Someone that rejoices in, the, uh, in their affliction truly loves Hashem. And therefore, because they love Hashem, they're going to see the ultimate energy of Hashem as strong as the sun shining on them. So we have three questions on this. Question number one is, why is someone that rejoices in his affliction called loving Hashem? If your spouse beats you and then you love them, then you, that's the only then you could... True love to your spouse is when you beat them up and they still love you? No, no, no clearly not. So, so what is... Those that rejoice in their affliction are considered people who love Hashem and therefore, why? Why specifically them? Question number one. Why is someone who rejoices in affliction is considered loving God? Question number two. What does it mean to see the might of Hashem? Like, well, what does that mean? If you love Hashem, you see the might of Hashem. What, what, what does that mean? It's a good question, Liz. <laughs> and question number three is, everything Hashem does is midah connected midah, an act for an act. If you do something, Hashem responds appropriately. You know, they, that this is what they teach us in education, is if a child does something wrong, don't just say, oh, you know, write something a million times. Try and, if you want to correct some things, so work with them on their level. And similarly, if you want to reward a child, you don't just, you know, go to Disneyland. You try and, the ultimate reward is taking what they've done 
and rewarding them in that same frame. Hashem works with us an act for an act, an attribute for an attribute. Mida keneged mida. So what does it mean? Because you love Hashem in your affliction, you see Hashem's might. What, 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 what's the act for an act? But it's beautiful. Based on what we learned last week, it comes, it comes like this. Hashem is connecting with you on a greater level when, when you're rejoicing in... Number one. Number one. To love Hashem when you're afflicted, that means you love your connection to Hashem. It's an extremely deep connection. To love Hashem in affliction means that all you want is not to feel good. All you want is to connect with Hashem. How can you rejoice when you're, when you're going through something hard? The only way to rejoice is by recognizing that life is all about connection. Connection to Hashem. So my connection to Hashem is so much greater now, so that should make, bring you happiness. My connection to Hashem is greater now, so with this you're able to rejoice. Ah, so now you have a greater connection to Hashem. So now it's clear that a reward for rejoicing in this greater connection is going to be seeing that greater level of Hashem revealed to you. Because you're rejoicing. In this great connection you have to Hashem. So the ultimate reward and act for an act is to see that great revelation of Hashem with your own eyes. Today when we're afflicted, today when something happens we call it an affliction. But if we could truly see what was happening we'd call it a celebration. If we could see how we were connecting, how everything is coming from straight from Hashem, and what we perceive as bad is really good, we, that is a celebration. So again, if someone rejoices when something negative is happening, what are they rejoicing? They're rejoicing in the great connection to Hashem. Now what would then be an appropriate reward? That that great connection to Hashem is revealed to them. It's mida connected mida, an act for an act. <coughs> when will this happen? With the coming of Mashiach, the, we learn that the, we learn that the veil covering the sun, which similarly is an expression for the covering over Hashem, is going to be removed, and we'll be able to all of a sudden have a much greater connection with. We'll be able to see and really experience this connection with Hashem. And who will have the ultimate joy? That's who will have the greatest connection in a revealed way with Hashem at that time? Someone who rejoices in their hardships. Please, Svi. So, if, if Hashem is... is Offering this, this, this trouble, this punishment, an act for an act, because it's something we did. Yeah. And we're rejoicing in the fact that he's revealing himself to us with this punishment. That would, and we really truly rejoice. That would almost. So I need to correct that. 
he's revealing himself with this challenge. Because punishment is something bad. Hashem doesn't punish. Okay, so, he, so he's providing these challenges, right? Yes, and through them is a much greater connection. So these challenges are or are not an act for an act for something that we did? Great question. Let me, let me repeat that question. First of all, tell me if I got it right. And if I did, it's a very important question. The question is, when Hashem brings a challenge on a person, is it because He deserves it? Is that the question? Yeah, because you mentioned an act for correct, an act. Correct, correct, correct. Oh. Please. You told us... Uh, Right before Pesach? Yeah. Because I was thinking that? Yeah. Because I've read it both ways. Yeah. But I think, didn't you say that that's not the Hasidic way of thinking? Correct. And now let me try and explain how that would work. Yes. Yes. What I said is as follows. When something bad happens to a person, so you have two methods of, two ways of looking at it. You could look at it that I did something bad and Hashem is punishing me. Or you could look at it the way perhaps we're looking at it and saying Hashem is actually connecting with me on a deeper level. It's not a punishment. Okay. And that's a major shift because if you look at everything bad as a punishment, well, then you're a really bad person. <laughs> well, I was going to say... Not you! you but no, I was going to say, if it gives you the opportunity to rejoice you would act in such a way that you'd be punished more often. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why... I, and that's why I'll take a question... Oh, that's why I commented that Hashem doesn't punish. And specifically, when we're talking about challenges, when a challenge comes our way, it's appropriate to think, is there something I can correct? That's an appropriate measure. When something sad happens, it is a time of re inner reflection. But that does not mean that the item is there because you did something wrong, God forbid. That is a very important idea. Would that, did I say the same thing before Pesach? Is that fitting? Uh, I'm able to understand it a little better okay. now. Well, even better then. Progress. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, yes, please. Yeah, so one of the things that comes up for me that I'd like to know, because I haven't been around Chabad for long, is your belief in karma or not? I, I, I don't know what karma is, I'm sorry. So karma, destiny, the, like destiny. That if our ancestors do something bad, God may punish us down the ancestral line. And if our ancestors do something good, God will reward us down the ancestral line. Beyond the, your own generation. Beyond your own. And isn't that in Deuteronomy? Or maybe I'm just missing something. I'm going to try and answer the question simply, but it's a much more complex answer. It's a very complex answer. Simply, I'm going to tell you what the Torah says. Let's take it at face value. Yes. At face value, the Torah says, Lo yum su avos albanim. A child will not die because of his father. Lo yum su, a quote from the Torah, Lo yum su avos albanim. If a child continues in the evil ways of his father, then up to three generations there may be a connection between, a correlation between what's happening. But maximum, again, this is if there is a child, only if a child is continuing the footsteps of uh, an, uh, an evil parent, then there may be 
uh, kind of a connection between what happened one from the other. Up to three generations. I share that because we learn on the flip side that if someone does something good, if a parent does something good, it does flow over to their children. And we learn it flows over to their children for two, for five, for two thousand generations. And from here we learn out that good is five times hundred better than bad. I believe this is a quote from, so, so, yes. Um, if in order to have the punishment continue, the person has to continue in the ways of his wicked yeah. father. Yeah. Is it also the case that to get the reward that is due to his father, he has to follow in the footsteps of his, of his father's good deeds? No. Let me share with you an interesting thing. Bad, if Hashem has said, I'm going to do something bad, I'm really digressing here, but it's an important point, and then I'm, we're going to go back to the Tanya. I'll just, you know, there's something called a prophet. How do you know if a prophet is true or false? Well, one of the ways is you see if what he said is true. If a prophet makes a prophecy, if it comes true, he's a true prophet. If it doesn't come true, seemingly he's a liar. I say seemingly. Because Halakha clarifies. If the Prophet came and said something good is going to happen, then no matter what happens, even if everyone is terrible, if Hashem has said He's going to do something good, it must happen. He will never take it back. So if a Prophet came and said such and such, and such good is going to happen, and it does not happen, he is a liar, he's a false Prophet. But if a, fault, if a prophet comes and says something bad is going to happen and it does not happen, he's not a liar because Hashem could remove bad. So, good, if Hashem has said good is going to happen, it will happen. Bad, Hashem, Hashem has created a system where he could take it back. Let, let's come back to where we are here. The greatest connection is with challenge. If someone is able to rejoice in this, then that greatest connection is going to be revealed to them when Hashem is going to be revealed to all of us in the days of Mashiach. Let's see this together. Page 114, right-hand column, fourth line. For this is the joy. Joy in... Affliction is the joy of desiring the nearness of God more than anything in the life of this world. If, you like, if, you, if your whole life is to connect with Hashem more than anything else, well then you're going to be able to truly, truly rejoice in affliction because that is the greatest connection to Hashem. As is written, for your kindness is better than life. If Hashem's kindness, if connection with Hashem is greater than life, then you'll be able to rejoice in whatever happens. Rabbi, earlier you mentioned that you said, um, like if someone's beating you or what, like a husband or maybe beating a wife, that that's not what you're referring to here. Yes. So can you give us an example of an affliction that, that you are referring to that is being referred to here? Yeah, yeah. The reason why the husband and wife is a bad example is because a spouse, Hashem has created us human beings as people that 
the greatest connection with someone is through loving them and expressing who we are. We don't have a secret part of us. But what we've learned previously is Hashem has a part of Him that can only be revealed in an un... In, in a, in a, that can only be revealed when He's not understood. When He is not understood. There is, there is a part of Hashem that can only be revealed if He is not understood. Meaning, and I don't want to go back, but just in short, we, we explain that understanding Hashem is a limitation on Hashem. That comes from a lower part of Hashem. When we don't understand Hashem, that comes from a part of Hashem that's greater. So what we call affliction, that is our interpretation. But truly, it's Hashem showing us His greatest love that is even higher than our understanding. So again, to just compare to the example of husband and wife, that idea of a deeper love that is higher than understanding doesn't exist in the makeup how Hashem has made us as human beings. And therefore, there is no excuse for abuse, etc. The nearness of God for your kindness is better than life. And the nearness of God is infinitely stronger and more sublime in the hidden world. The connection with Hashem in the hidden world is much greater for the concealment of His strength is there. In the hidden world is where you find Hashem's true strength. And let's read another famous quote. And the Most High abides in secrecy. Hashem lives in places we don't understand Him. When we understand Hashem, we're understanding a very limited aspect of Hashem. So we... We, someone is able to rejoice in affliction knowing that it's coming from a place of Hashem, a love of Hashem that is much greater. Therefore, because someone who loves Hashem in affliction is loving this ultimate connection with Hashem, therefore the man who, affect, who accepts affliction with joy merits to see the sun going forth in its might in the world to come, i.e. the sun emerging from its sheath in which it is enclosed in this world. All of a sudden we're going to have a fresh revelation of Hashem. We're going to be able to see the true sun, the essence of Hashem. Not like in this world where it's concealed, but in the world to come it will appear out of its covering, meaning that then the hidden world, the Alma Discasia, the world which is today concealed and from which comes to our perspective bad and challenges will be revealed and will shine and send forth light in a great and intense revelation. Who is going to see the greatest and most intense revelation of Hashem? When Mashiach comes to those who had taken refuge in Him in this world. Those people that were able to connect with this deeper level of Hashem in this world and had taken shelter under His shadow. Those people that in this world were able to go under the shadow. A shadow is something 
which is a reflection of a person, but a person is not revealed in the shadow. So when you see a shadow, you're seeing a reflection of someone, but you're not seeing the person themselves. So if someone is connecting to this aspect of Hashem that is higher than our understanding, in this world it's called a shadow. Because that's all we see. We see the shadow of Hashem, but we're not, connect, we're not able to see this great connection. So someone that in this world is able to rejoice in this deeper connection, the shadow of wisdom, in the sense of shade as deferring from light and revealed goodness. Suffice it for him who understands. So what did we just say? We said that someone that rejoices in the greatest challenges today, knowing that it's coming from a level of Hashem that's higher than our understanding, when Mashiach comes, we'll be able to connect with that on the greatest level. Very deep. Can I just share a short story? Yeah. I live on a small farm, and one of my jobs is to go out and clean the manure after the cow leaves his business. And my mother-in-law, not my mother-in-law, my stepmother said to me once, why don't you hire somebody to go do that? And I said to her, because it is my job, why should I hire somebody to do my job? And I spent eight hours in the rain throwing the manure out the window. <coughs> and as I put the last shovel out the window, the clouds broke and the sun came shining down in its beautiful rays through the window on me. And I said, thank you God for my work. Thank you God for the hard, hardship and the work because it was good work. Beautiful. So you see Hashem blessing you. You know, I want to share that I know that uh, many of us gathered here um, have challenges and on a personal level I'm, I, I recognize and I just want to say that what we're learning today for some of us is, is impossible but I will say there are people around this room that I recognize are living what we're learning tonight and I, uh, I applaud them and I think that's really special again the people that are able to um, take their challenges and truly truly rejoice in them. It's something that I don't know how those people get their inner strength, but may all of us have all the strength we need and blessing. And, and again, to, no one should ever have any challenges. We ask Hashem not to bring us challenges. But those that have challenges, to be able to really fly with them and, and um, I must say it's really special. Those that are able to express that inner strength. With this we conclude our first discussion in dealing with challenges. We've dealt with, we've dealt, we've explained so far how to deal with challenges that come from issues of children, 
health, and sustenance. We've explained that Hashem is showing us a much deeper connection through such challenges. But we started off learning how any trace of sadness is going to is going to make you lose. Remember we said there's an, in, an inner fight, there's good and bad fighting. And if the good is, has the slightest trace of sadness, no matter how strong you are, you're going to lose. So what's going to happen if you really should be sad? Why should you be sad? Because someone, someone sinned. You sinned, you should be sad. So how then are you, are you done? Are you a lost cause? What do you, how do you deal with true sadness? Sadness that is necessary. Dr. Yosef, you got the question? Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a good... And this is again what we've said, the Hasidim are always happy. Because what we're going to learn is, even when you need to be sad, you're not allowed to be sad. Even if there's really a reason to be sad, you, you really, someone, you did something inappropriate. Nonetheless, you have to get past it. As we're going to learn, set times to think about what happened. Maybe once a month, before Rosh Chodesh, there's something called the Yom Kippur Katan. Maybe before Rosh Chodesh, you, you think about what has happened and how you could fix it up. On Yom Kippur, set aside time. But outside of those times, you have no permission to dwell on that idea. So, do you think sadness is always a function of something we did? Or we sin? As opposed to an external event, like a loss? Until now, until now, we've discussed a method of dealing with items that have happened to us on a physical level. Things that have happened to us, we've explained that a perspective for that is thinking how Hashem is really showing you a much deeper love. That's what we learned until now. But now we're saying, what about in a scenario where you should really be, you did something wrong. So now you need to be sad. You can't, you can't rejoice. I sinned, and now I have a deeper connection with Hashem. No, no, that's not how it goes. You should be sad, seemingly. So what do you do about such sadness? And this is something which, you know, I think, I've heard asked numerous times. In other words, how do you... You did something wrong. So not you. John did something wrong. And he can't get over it. That, that not getting over it is coming from evil itself. Coming from what? From, from bad. Oh. Hashem does not want you to dwell on something, something bad. If something bad has happened, so Hashem wants you to set aside times every so often to think how I can rectify that issue. But to dwell on it is completely against what Hashem wants. And therefore, we always need to be happy. Are you happy, Gershon? Yeah. Okay, good, good. We always need to be happy. At all costs. 
I'm just remembering, we have a quote. In Adar, in the month of Adar, and I'll get to you guys in a second. In the month of Adar, we have a quote. It says, Adar marvin When Adar comes, you increase in joy. But then it says, When the month of Av comes, You should decrease in joy. That causes us a little problem, decrease. The Rebbe, he gave a tremendous spin on this. He said, when the month of Av comes, you want to decrease in the negative energy? You want to decrease in the negativity of the month? You know how to do that? Simcha. By being happy. When the month of Av comes, the month when Jews were, were not working together and therefore Hashem destroyed the, the Beis Hamikdash, you know how we're going to get over that? We always need to be happy. Yes, Gershon. Um. Well, I was just thinking about, maybe it's not related, maybe it was about a year ago, I don't remember which section it was, I don't know if it was as far back as the, the Benoni section, but somewhere around, if you're good, more than 50% of the, isn't that what you said? Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're good more than 50% of the time, yeah. then, then that's good. So, so was that right? Or did, or we learned in halacha, Hashem, the way Hashem actually judges us when someone passes away, as long as they have more good deeds than bad deeds, then they're going to have a good judgment. And, and maybe that's kind of factored that, in here. That's that a method of not getting caught up in sin. Well, you shouldn't be thinking. But, but it doesn't mean, like you said, that you should rejoice. God, no, correct. Is that correct. when you... Uh, when Hashem takes your soul and you when someone passes on correct the way they're judged is taking everything together and seeing which side is better the good or the bad and then you have a judgment meaning if someone has sinned but the, in general they've been good then the entire judgment will be good so are you saying we should just keep doing more good? absolutely just do it. Okay, page 114. Let's continue. Seven lines from the bottom. As, are we, are we there? As for the sadness? Are we good? Yes. As for the sadness which is connected with heavenly matters, which now, with heavenly matters, seemingly you really need to be sad. I can't just dance about this. This is real. This is very powerful. This is such a, this next line is perhaps one of the real, real, Foundations of Hasidus. One must seek ways and means of freeing oneself from it. Basically, whatever happens, you have to free yourself from sadness. How? So now we're going to explain. To say nothing of the time of divine service, obviously when you're in the middle of davening to Hashem. So Hashem tells us, how do you serve me? Hashem says, if you want to serve me, you need to do it with joy. So Hashem says, serve me with joy, so you cannot be sad at that moment. There is no place for sadness in the service of God. When I come to Shul and I'm ready to pray, that's not a good time to go start thinking about the sin you did and how to rectify it. No, Hashem says, you're serving me? Serve me with joy. To say nothing of the time of divine service when one must serve God with gladness and joyful heart. Okay, 
So now we've just locked off 50% of the time without fail. We need to be happy anytime we are actively serving God. We're making a blessing on food. We're, we're praying. We are going ahead. We're learning. We're talking about to someone. And a There's no place for sadness. Serve God with love. Aha! Uh -huh. But what if when I'm in the middle of business, then I get sad because of, I've sinned? Now I'm a really holy person in the middle of business when I'm trying, supposed to make money. Now I'm sad. Isn't that a good time to... Right as you're in the middle of driving someone, you say, I need to stop for a minute and just think about some sin that I've done. Probably not such a good idea. <laughs> like I need a little break. Maybe you're sad about how you're making money. But even here it comes very, something very powerful. Even if he is a man of commerce and worldly affairs, should there enter into him any melancholy or anxiety about heavenly matters during the time of his business affairs? It is clearly fr from the evil impulse in order to lure him afterwards into lusts, God forbid, as it is known. That means if you're middle of business, you're middle of typing up some thought, you're middle of watching wheat fields, whatever it may be for matzah, you're middle of doing your accounting, whatever it may be, writing legal documents, whatever, whatever, or your middle of building, wherever you may be, or uh, middle of learning. If at that time, thoughts about true thoughts, about things we may have done inappropriately come to our mind, they are there to lure us into telling us, oh, we're so bad, just do another sin. <laughs> I already sinned, <laughs> I may as well do another one. How do I know that? Here is something very powerful. True sadness does not come on you. True sadness you have to bring on to yourself. Well, let me explain that. Let me explain that. Why are you sad that you sinned? Are you sad because you have sinned? Then you're just a selfish person. I have sinned. How, now that makes me sad. Then I am a selfish... I think I'm better than sin and now I'm sad. That could happen any time. I could be in the middle of... I could be in the middle of you know, doing my work, and then I start crying because I realized I have not lived up to my expectations. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just selfish. True sadness is when you think about Hashem and you think about how you, how you have separated yourself from Hashem from sin. That's true sadness. You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about God. And such thoughts don't come middle of business. Such thoughts take, take focus of mind. Let me repeat that back. If you're middle of business and you get sad that you have sinned, that, that's not coming from a holy place. True sadness takes focus. Meaning, I am sad that I am separated from God. And this sin has separated me from God. Let's see that inside. For were it. For were it not so, and it was a genuine sadness, which is one that is derived from love or fear of God, how could it come in the midst of his business affairs? In the midst of your business affairs, all of a sudden, you've, now you've focused on God and you've recognized your... Generally, in the middle of business, you don't have time for that type of focus. 
So let's put this back. If someone is, is sad during, uh, because they've sinned during the time of service of God, Hashem tells you not to be sad then. And if you're sad in the middle of business, generally that's, that's just a selfish. Selfish I know is a strong word, and I don't mean to say sad in that way. But if someone is sad during business, that's not a true sadness. It's not a sadness that has come from thinking about how far one has separated from Hashem. There is no place for sadness. It's not going to get you anywhere. So there's no place at all, not, not in shul when you're davening? Not Seemingly there's, there's no, no place no, at all. Right. So what should you do? Let's, let's conclude chapter 26. In a few moments, we'll, we'll conclude it together. Thus, whether the melancholy en encroaches on him during divine service, in study or prayer, or not during divine service, he should tell himself, these are famous words. This is the quote. What should you tell yourself? Now is not the time for genuine anxiety. Not even for worry over serious transgressions, God forbid. I don't, now is not, you should tell yourself, I don't have time for this right now. I'll put you on my calendar. <laughs> exactly. For this, one needs appointed times and a special occasion with calmness of mind to reflect on the greatness of God against whom one has sinned and thereby one's heart may truly be rent with sincere sadness. In other words, we don't, on a general Tuesday, there's no, there's no time for sadness. You're not when you're serving God, you need to be happy, now you're doing business. What should you do? You should tell your mind to quote. Isn't it like um, less emotion? Tell me one more time. This like, like example, less emotion. Not that, you're, not that you shouldn't have any emotions, but you should tell yourself, now is not the Sad time for this. Sadness, it's yes, sadness, sorry. Yes, sadness, we don't have, we don't have place for sadness. Yes. Except at specific times. If, something neg if you have done something negative, if one has done something negative, yes, it's a serious thing. We're not telling you that you shouldn't worry about your sin. What we're telling you is, you have to set times to worry about it. You need to set times for the worry. That's what we're saying now. It is explained elsewhere when this time should be. And it is there explained also that as soon as his heart has been broken during these specific occasions, he should forthwith completely remove the sorrow from his heart and believe with a perfect faith that God has removed his sin in his abundant forgiveness. So even when you need it, even in the time that you're focused on the sin, only do it until you've come to truly, to true sadness and a broken heart because of the sin. But at that moment, remove the sadness, say, now Hashem has forgiven me. Now I'm truly happy. The sadness itself that you should have set times for, within those set times should be for a very limited amount of time. This sadness should bring ultimate joy, and this is the true joy in God which comes after the remorse, as mentioned above. Remember we learned at the beginning of chapter 26 that there is a joy that comes after sadness. 
Which joy is this? When someone unfortunately has sinned and they have a broken heart on how far they've come from God and now you think one second, no matter what I've done, Hashem says, I love you. Hashem says, I love you. And, and I recognize I've been forgiven to, for my sin. Now there's a deeper connection. All of a sudden, my connection with Hashem is much deeper. Even though I've sinned, Hashem still truly has an ultimate love for me. So let's try and summarize sadness. The summary is there's no place for it. Except at specific times, and even at those specific times for a very limited amount of time. We have to always be happy. We must always be happy. And with happiness, we will overcome our challenges. I'll just say l'chaim to that. <laughs> l'chaim. We should all have revealed good. We shouldn't have to come onto concealed good. We should have revealed good. We should all be able to sing and dance and celebrate in each, in each other's goodness. Amen. Are there any questions? Yes, Dr. Um, some years ago, um, I, I was told by uh, somebody else who was Hasidic, but not Kabbalah. Um, but he said, every night you ought to do a cheshton hanefesh. So it's not just on like, uh, uh, Rosh Chodesh and Yom Kippur and so on. He said, like, every, every I think that's what he told me, but I'm quoting it correctly. So, so you seem to be saying you should do this every so every night you're, you should make a daily accounting but not a lifelong accounting meaning if every night you should make an accounting of how your day has gone and if someone has sinned that day they should think about it that day but not that the next, for the next month you should think every day about the sin you did a month ago a cheshbon hanefesh means a daily accounting just like if you're in business, so every day you collect how much, you see how much money you made that day. But you don't every day see how much money you made yesterday. But every day, then at the end of the month, you make a tally of all the days together. And then you're able to think about how, how did it go, etc., making a plan for the future. The same thing is, with, is, is, with, is as individuals. Every night we make an individual accounting. Every month, we could think past, we could think back, and every year to the whole year, etc. Does that make... Does that connect? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. I appreciate you coming. Oh, yeah. Thank you.